the scripture with them? Good morning, Mission Vineyard. Good morning, and happy Father's Day. To all you fathers, and for those of you who father people, and you don't have kids, you're still fathers. For you men, we're going to give you a special charge today. Uh, I, I would love for some men to lead by example this morning. There's a whole scripture. I'm not going to read it to you this morning. Destiny has it. If we need her to read it, we'll read it. But uh, I would love for some men to stand up here with some kids. Kids, would you come up? Men, would you stand up and come up here? Just We, we need a few of you to be good examples. So, we've got some great men here. Good. Fathers, come on. Awesome. We've got words for you in the back so that you're not out on your own. So they'll be on the TV. We're going to sing a song called 10,000 Reasons. And there's words on the back for you men. And these men are going to be your chorus this morning. I've got too much gear around here. My son can't get next to me.
may be seated. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. And then we've got some people getting baptized this morning. Micah, Micah and Demarie. So these may, church, this may seem like big questions for third graders, but actually they know the Lord in some very profound ways. If you knew these boys, if you knew their stories, they've cried out to God like you don't know. And they have seen the Lord and heard the Lord in profound ways. So we baptize based on their profession of faith, which now I will ask them specifically about in some pretty heavy theological language that they actually understand because we've talked through it and they've actually felt. And so we don't baptize because they're kids and they say they want to get baptized. No, we baptize because they believe in the Lord and they're part of your church family. And so I, this discipleship journey has already begun years ago and this is part of it. But now you all are part in continuing it. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Demarie, Micah, do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord and King, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life and grace? If so, say, I do. I do. I do. Come on, church. Micah, Demarie, do you renounce Satan and all of his works and all of his ways? I do. Awesome. forgiveness of sins and with a humble heart put your hope in God's mercy and your whole trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. I do. I do. And with his help from these people here and from your family and those who love you with his help with Jesus's help do you seek to follow him becoming more like him until you see him face to face? I do. All right this is their profession of faith y'all. We believe kids don't have a small version of the Holy Spirit. We believe they have the whole Holy Spirit. And that's where this profession of faith is coming from. 
living in them. And that's why we baptize them today. So as Destiny continues to play behind, we're going to go out there. You can cheer them on. And we've got some people that are going to pray after you're baptized for the Holy Spirit to come on you, just like what happened with Jesus when he was baptized, okay? So let's go outside.
sing Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. 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 have the great joy now of taking communion together. What a wonderful day to have worship, the word, baptism, and communion. So these little things, if you've not used them, they're kind of hard to open, so you might want to work on that. What a wonderful opportunity to worship the Lord together and to experience the presence of Jesus in such a significant way. He offers healing, salvation. He offers the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He offers reconciliation with one another, complete forgiveness of our sins and forgive, forgiveness for one another. What a wonderful, wonderful thing this is. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. All of you take and eat it. So let's eat together. after supper in the same way he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood all of you take and drink it let us drink together would you shout out with me thanks be to God ready thanks, thanks be, be to God, God. Let's just wait for just a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Lord. This is your place. We open the doors of our hearts this morning. Let's read the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, today in this room for this hour, we declare that this whole earth 
This country, this city belongs to you. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to invite Katie to come give some announcements. And then dads, I'm going to have a charge for you. And then we've got a special, wonderful preacher this morning, Randall Pinnell, who's going to be preaching. And uh, we'll be back with you in just a second. Katie, what's going on? Good morning. Welcome to Mission Vineyard. It's great to have all of you here this morning. I haven't gotten to do announcements in a while. It's kind of fun to get to see all the grown-ups. I see the kids' faces every morning, but I don't always get to see all of you. So welcome. We're glad you're here today. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Um, I want to take a minute to welcome anybody who's visiting with us for the first time today. And whether you're visiting online or here in person, we just want to welcome you. If you are here in person, we have a special bag that is at the table that you would have seen as you walked in. Um, that's just a bag. It's our gift to you to say thanks for joining us today. And we also have a card, our Connect card, that we just want to ask you to fill out with as much information as you are comfortable so we have a record of your visit. Um, and if you're online joining us, you can fill out that same card digitally by going to nextsteps.missionvineyard.org. And I think that you'll see that on the online feed as well. Just a couple of quick announcements for you guys. Next Sunday, we are celebrating 10 years as a church. <laughs> Yeah. So we're having a service here at 10 a.m., just like we um, typically do, and then we're having a big celebration afterwards. So a lot of details have been going on about that. If you are planning on attending that celebration and you haven't let us know yet, um, please see Arlita today. Um, she's waving her hand right there in the back, but she'll be towards, again, the entry exit on your way out and just let her know because we're having a luncheon and activities, and we just want to make sure that we know to have enough food for everybody who's planning to attend. Secondly, if you have um, been interested in finding out more ways to get involved in serving here at Mission Vineyard, again, please see Arlita today at the end of the service. We have opportunities to serve in so many different um, ways and areas in the church. I myself am like single-handedly just growing our children's ministry daily. <laughs> we, have, we have, we would love to have anybody come upstairs and um, help love on the kids and teach them. We have greeters. We have people who help um, with worship and sound and um, hopefully eventually coffee again. We're not quite there yet, but we used to have coffee before COVID and hopefully we'll have it again soon. Um, so there's just a lot of ways to get involved and connected. And if you've been coming for a while and haven't taken that step and say, hey, I'm ready to figure out like what's... What's the next step? How can I serve? How can I get more plugged in? See Arlita, and she will connect you with um, the next person, the next contact, kind of what your next step is there. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to invite John to come back up for a special blessing and happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Thanks, Katie. Andrew, would you join me up here? Andrew's going to help me give this blessing to dads this morning. Andrew, every time you come to church, you bring your boys with you, it's like, all I can do is just bless you. Uh, you're For me, you just keep on here. You're going to take a mic from Katie. You keep on bringing them to church. You didn't have to. You keep on um, just being with them in a special way. Men, I'm going to ask you, all of you to stand up, whether you're dads or not. This year has been a tough year for both men and women, but for men in a special way. As a lot of men look at their identity through their work. Work has been torn apart, upended. We don't know what it means anymore. Families have changed and the whole dynamic of what it means to be in family. Everything we do has changed and been challenged. And so our identity has been challenged as well. Right now, I want to give you a charge. Dad or not, 
that today we stand not in the struggles of the world, we stand in the strength of God. Men, can you say amen? amen? That no matter what's happened in the past, that you're here today and we go forward from today in the strength of the Lord. Amen? amen. So Andrew, I want you to come over here. I want you to help me read this charge over these men. And it's up on the screen for you all as well. Man, if, you don't ha if you're not next to another man where you could put your arm on them or something, just connect with them because this is not an alone thing. This is a together thing. That this church will stand side by side. If you, again, get next to another man. Don't, this is a time for you to receive this charge and know you are not alone. Myla, come, would you yeah, get with Aaron? Come up. This verse that I want, I want to speak over you first, and then I'll let Andrew read this charge. The, the master said, well done. Men, you are here today. Well done. My good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I'll give you much more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So receive this charge, men. You can read it off the back or you can read it here, whatever. Be without fear in the face of your enemies. Be brave and upright. Speak the truth. Safeguard the helpless. Pursue God at all costs. For you, John, are a man of God. And take John for all of you. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I received that. For you men are men of God, so run from all these evil things, pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And so we say, this is your oath, men. Rise a man. You are men. Receive this. And, and look, at, look at your brothers right now and just speak to one another and say, rise, a man. We bless you in Jesus' name. Happy Father's Day. And would you welcome Randall for the preaching of God's word through Exodus today. Thank you. Sort of a tough act to follow in some ways, you know, but uh, since we're real men, I think we can handle it, right? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Andrew. I love that name, Andrew. Uh, my son's middle name is Andrew, the first disciple that went and got somebody. So great name, great name. It's a real honor to, to share this message with, with you today. Uh, in many ways, this is a part of, uh, I guess, a realization many years ago uh, for me uh, while I was in school, uh, I felt called of God to do uh, something, and the assumption was I was going to be a pastor. Uh, but when I went to school and seminary and graduate school, it became clear that God really wanted me to be more of a teacher. And so I spent most of my life doing that. Uh, in the United States in a little while in Costa Rica and a pretty good while in Argentina. And uh, part of what captured me is in this text today. Uh, I love the Old Testament. Uh, no offense to the New, Test New Testament here, but the Old Testament was Jesus's Bible. So I figured we needed to know a, a little bit more about that just so we would understand a lot of what he was about, what guided him, in a sense, as a man, as he emptied himself of being God to come, as Paul said, among us. 
And so this uh, whole series that we're talking about here about adventures uh, in the wilderness is a big part of this early part of the Old Testament, especially beginning with the book of Exodus. And in many ways, it, it carries through through the entirety of the book of Deuteronomy. So four of the first five books of the Bible are involved in this idea of wilderness. The wilderness starts with the rescue, the redemption, the deliverance, all those words of Israel from Egypt after over 400 years of bondage. And we always have to look at these beginning acts from the end backwards because we have to see what God is up to, and that's one of the benefits that the Bible gives us. We get to see what He's up to and what He does based on what He's up to in people's lives. So it's, it's not just to get Israel out of Egypt, it's to get them to a kingdom of their own. It's primarily a promised kingdom, we call it the promised land, but it is the opportunity for them to become their uh, identified people and to make the difference that he has called them to. But in the middle of this deliverance, exodus from Egypt, and this entry into the promised land, that really is the wilderness. But the most important thing in this whole wilderness operation is this is the first time that Israel meets God. They have heard about him. They've had people share with them all that God did in the early fathers of the church or of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then finally Joseph. But when these people leave Egypt, they have to go to a place called Mount Sinai. And this is where God had a covenant opportunity for them. Choose you this day whom you will serve choose to have a relationship with me or not. And so this uh, presence of God, this opportunity to form a relationship with him is, has got to happen before the promise is set on the table. They're out, they're delivered, they're free now, but they're free to choose whom they'll serve. They've been in bondage for so long, over 400 years, and maybe they still talk about God, maybe not. And one of the most important things about them at this stage, I believe, is God's, the people, uh, the gods of Egypt that they were certainly aware of, to some degree their own God, but they saw gods as those horrible, powerful beings that if you didn't treat them right, they'd kill you or they'd find a way to ruin your life. And so, one of the things about this message today, and I'm going to give you my title, I don't always do that, but I want to set that on the table today because I, I need to focus. I've got three or four texts I'm going to go through. They're not long, so trust me, and I've, I've got, uh, let's see, I forgot to start my timer. How long have I been going? I just started, right? And I have, what, hour and a half? There's, there's four books in the, no, I'm kidding. No, but anyway. Here's my question for you, and I want to explore this together with you based on these texts today. How much, how much God do you want? Really, how much God do you want? Because I believe that we have as much God as we want to have. I'm going to say that again. I believe that we have as much God as we really want to have. 
Now, looking at this wilderness, getting out of Egypt, getting to and into the promised land, that's all big. But it's not going to mean anything if they don't meet God and they don't enter into a real relationship with Him. They're going to have to choose. Several times it's said, Joshua even does this with them when they get in the land a little later. He comes back to it in chapter 24 of Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And so how much God do we really want in our life? Paul says, it's one of the most, this is one of my life verses. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, it has not even occurred to men and women all that God has prepared for those who love Him. And God has more for us, but sometimes we do not want all of Him. We want just enough of Him that we might get to the promised land. But God has a lot more in store than just that. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. This verse that I just read you, I, I, I always interpret it. I heard a vineyard pastor one time preach on this service right after he'd been to the Toronto Blessing. So these were the only, these were the few coherent words that came out of his sermon that day. So there was a lot of laughing going on and, and all of this. But he said after reading this verse, there is always more in knowing God if you and I are not willing or choosing to settle for less. There's always more if we will not settle for less. So how much God do we want? I want to talk to you about this, and I really want to ask this question one last time, and then I promise I'll stop. How much of God do we really, truly want in our lives? Now, let me start with a couple of scriptures here mainly out of Exodus 19 and then out of Exodus 24. Exodus 19 is when Israel has left. They've gone through the Red Sea. All of those things have happened. They finally arrive at Mount Sinai, the place where Moses had the burning bush experience, and he brought them back there so that they could have that encounter with God as well. And so this chapter 19 of Exodus is where that really begins. And God says to them, uh, in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 19, be sure they, he's saying this to Moses, be sure they are ready on the third day, for on the, that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Now mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. Wow. Now, they've come out of Egypt. All these gods, you have to appease them or they'll kill you. They'll do something bad to you. They'll put a plague on you. They'll make your children have 15 legs or no eyes or all kinds of stuff. And they had multiple gods that they were encountering while they were enslaved in, in, in Egypt. And so here, this first encounter at God they hear something from God that sounds pretty frightening, doesn't it? I mean, don't even get close to, even touch the boundary of this mountain, or you will certainly be put to death. Sounds a lot like where they've been. 
I would hope that it caught their attention. God does a few things to catch our attention from, some, from time to time. A little farther down in, in Exodus 19, these are verses 21 and 24, then the Lord told Moses, go back down. This is after Moses has gone up there and listened to God for a while. Hasn't come back down with the Ten Commandments yet. But go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. But, now listen to this, the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through to approach the Lord or he will break out and destroy them. This doesn't really sound like the, the kind, loving grandfather God that we sometimes think of, does it? But he's warning them. But notice, no one could come. Moses has been up there. Okay, maybe no one but Moses should come. But now, well, you, well, you can bring Aaron with you this time. Go ahead and bring Aaron with you. But nobody else, nobody else. God's very serious about that. And then in chapter 24, then the Lord instructed Moses. This is a little bit later. A lot of things have gone on. He's given them the Ten Commandments. He's, uh, Moses has gone back down, and they've created the golden calf and everything. They're worshiping other gods. And, you know, half, well, not half, but a big chunk of those people died that day. The, the land opened up and swallowed them up. Now, I'm not preaching this text to tell you that the land's about to open up and that you're going to get swallowed today, okay? So be, be relaxed. But in the midst of after that, then the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me and bring along Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. So the farther they are away from the Lord, he looks pretty dangerous. He's warning them. Uh, in fact, uh, in Exodus 24, it says the Israelites at the foot of the mountain uh, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. So they're kind of far away looking in the distance, and it looks like fire that'll burn you up. That's what God looks like from a distance. Note that, from a distance. But the more dangerous and unapproachable he appeared, but it's interesting, the closer they come, some of them come up that mountain their perspective of God begins to change the closer they get to him. Then Moses, this is in chapter 24, verses 9 through 11. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain again. Well, what happened about don't come near the mountain, don't touch the mountain? You see there's a process here. There's some kind of something going on. The longer they're there the more God seems to invite them to come up closer to him. And so there they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli, as clear as the sky itself. Now the Israelites, way back at the foot of the mountain, it looks like a consuming fire. And you hear these words, don't come up here. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You can't come up here or you'll die. 
But he began to invite some of them. And in inviting them, the closer they got, things began to change in their perspective of who God really is. And, these, uh, and they see this perspective now up close. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. He said, don't even, don't even look at me or destroy them, but there's more. Not only did he not destroy them, verse 11, and they ate and drank with God. They had a dinner with him, which was the greatest opportunity in the ancient Near East to share fellowship. And so it is that there is really no boundary on God's side for the relationship he wants to have with us. Sometimes it's where we start from. We see him as the angry God. Uh, Jonathan Edwards is sort of falsely confused, uh, uh, condemned by a sermon he preached one time, which is totally the difference than the title. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. That's the way we read that. But he talks the whole sermon about sinners saved by the Lord Jesus in the hands of a loving God. Don't be sinner in the hands of an angry God because Jesus has paid that price for you. And so the relationship changes everything. Now, in a just a sort of a parable way here, we see a procession of far away, feeling dangerous, even hearing the words, don't do it. It's too dangerous. It's not worth it. But you see in this progression of text, in this beginning of their life as the people of God. This is the very beginning. Creation was the beginning for all humankind. This is the beginning of the people of God. And God slowly brings them to him, and he somehow is helping some of them overcome their fear of him, their reluctance of him. And so the question there is, how much of God did they really want? What did they really think God was like? What is a relationship with God really like? So as, as we talk today, just a couple of things. I don't have all of the uh, answers myself, but we have as much God as we truly want. God's priority is that we know Him. These passages, if they say nothing else, is that God really is wanting his people to come to him, to come near to him, to draw near to him. Now, there are so many ways to do that. Knowing God is so much more than most of us, and I'm including myself in this, than we're willing to settle for. Uh, we pursue other things with a lot more zest and vigor than we pursue him because we can have as much of him as we're willing to go after as much as we're willing to pursue Him and not just, oh, here I am, God, just lay it on me. There are some things that we have to do to go to Him. We have to climb a mountain sometimes. It feels difficult, but there is a, a power that both draws us but also within us. That relationship with Him drives us to want more, to make us hungry and thirsty for God. And so when we ask that question, how much 
of God do we want, we could also say, how hungry, how thirsty are you for Him? Just enough to get to the promised land, get to heaven? How about enough to really fellowship with Him, sit down and eat with Him, so to speak, to know His presence, to know we have this table that we celebrated today. Jesus is doing that. That's at the time of Passover. That's the time of the meal just before they left Egypt to go meet God. And now here is God incarnate having that same meal with those disciples. And so God is showing over and over again how much He wants a relationship with us. So if we're not willing to settle for less... There is so much more. Jesus shows us that God is a person as well. He's not just some mystical force. He is real. He is not a human person, but He has a person. God can be known. As a person, He wants to be closer, and He always responds to those who want to be closer to Him. How do we get closer? Well, we could probably poll all of you. Let me just give you a couple of things here. That's sort of my job as a preacher, isn't it, to at least tell you something to do. Know who God is not. God is approachable. How many of you feel if you've done something wrong and you go and pray to God, you're thinking, well, I really don't deserve this. Or the flip side, I've been really close to God lately. I've been doing all the stuff I'm supposed to do. So when I pray, I think He'll give me what I want because I've been good. You don't have to raise your hand. Please, no admission. This is a, sort of like an AA meeting. We're just all anonymous in this, this moment, okay? Just think about it. So we forget how approachable He is. We think it is up to us. So many times I do. We get in this sense of it's our works that He really wants when what He really wants is us. He wants you. He wants me. He wants a relationship. He's proven it over and over again to have supper with us, to draw us to Him. Even when we're afraid and we see Him as different, He continues to woo, him, to woo us and to draw us to Him. We should spend time with Him. How many ways do you spend time? We certainly can pray with Him. We can read the Scriptures. Those are pretty obvious. But I know uh, God first made Adam, and He put him in a garden. I like to garden. And it took me probably till I was 60 years old to realize that when I'm gardening, that's exactly what God did with the first humans. God actually built that garden before He put Adam in it. So gardening for me is a time to say, God, thank you for making me sort of like you. But more importantly, I know you're here with me. And there's these times of intimacy. There's times I'm not sitting down and eating, but I am feeding on his presence as I am seeing him make the plants in my garden grow. And in San Antonio, that's a miracle that they grow. Uh, certainly I've spent my life reading the Scripture, just these passages alone. You might read through these and see these events, but it took me years to realize, now wait a minute, God is changing the rules as they get closer. 
It's okay to get a little closer. It's okay. Well, bring, bring one with you. Uh, bring these three with you. Then bring, how many do you say, 70 elders with you? I think he's saying bring everybody with you now. Because he wants to know you. It's not just about how much you and I need to know him. You need to know this God in the wilderness that says, I want to know you so badly, I'm going to die for you to make this door fly wide open to you. Jesus' death, which is the prelude to this Passover dinner that we celebrate in the Lord's Supper every week in our church, is a, another affirmation that the door is open. Now, one last thing. I started to entitle this sermon, One More Night with the Frogs. Now, you're going to go, dude, this guy is psychotic. Where's, where's he going with this stuff? You know, I, I know, I know it's Old Testament, so it's kind of fuzzy for me, but that just sounds crazy. Well, at the beginning of the get out of Egypt, you remember all the ten plagues that were there. There is a, there's an amazing one. Uh, Kay and I have a, a, a friend. Uh, I guess we haven't talked to him in a long time. His name is Dana Sigmund, and he used to be in a group called the Songwriters. And they'd take passages out of the Scripture, and they'd make songs out of them. And uh, just about the time Kay and I first met, they were singing this song called One More Night with the Frogs. And it was a great song, and you know, I'm an Old Testament guy, and I was thinking, what in the world are they talking about? And I've read this so many times, I didn't, I didn't see it. But here, it's, let me read just a little bit. This is out of Exodus 8. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. Now, this, again, this is before they've left Egypt and gotten out of there. And say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go... Behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. Blech. And the Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your, your people and all your servants. And they'll scream bloody murder. I added that part. That's just me. But then, so finally, it, this happens. And so Pharaoh, okay, maybe I ought to let these people go. So Pharaoh called for Moses, down verse 8, and, and Aaron, and said, Entreat the Lord that he remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to their Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me. When shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile where they belong? And what did Pharaoh say? Then he said, tomorrow. So that's where the song, One More Night with the Frogs. So he said, so Moses said, may it be according to your word. Now, this is Pharaoh. This is not the Israelites. But one of the things that God had to do when he took Israel out of Egypt, he also had to take the Egypt out of Israel. And they were just as reluctant as Pharaoh was. And many of us are just as reluctant for a variety of reasons, but it's, 
the door is wide open now. But many of us, well, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. And so there is this sense, again, how much do we delay and put off and don't want as much of God as we can have. Settling for less of the Lord in our lives. And instead of pressing into Him more because He really wants us to come to Him. Now, I want to close with this little passage, and I'd like to close with prayer for you today. Moses had a young man that was uh, held his arms up first, Jacob, Joseph and Caleb, in the battles in the wilderness so that they could win the battle because as long as Moses held his arms in the air, they were winning. But when he got tired and he put his arms down, they began to lose. So Joshua and Caleb helped hold his arms up so that they could keep on winning. Well, Joshua uh, continues on, and when Moses uh, sends to the point that uh, he's sort of pretending he's God now, God keeps him out of the promised land for his sake and for Israel's sake. And he anoints Joshua as the leader. But there's a passage in Exodus, part of this wilderness experience that really speaks to me every time I go there. This is uh, chapter 33, verses 7 and 11. It was Moses' practice to take, the tent of, uh, <clears throat> to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He wanted just a little bit more of God. God wants more. Joshua wanted more. Do you want more? And if you do not, why do you not? Why tomorrow maybe you're postponing some things? Maybe you're afraid God's going to take away all your fun. No, God is a God of deliverance. And God in that relationship with Him has great promise for you. Promises, quite frankly, you cannot even imagine. It takes a rather surreal book of Revelation to even insinuate some of the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Everything, all that, God has prepared for those who love Him. Don't you want more of that? Don't you want to be more? Don't you want the people around you to know Him more? To have the opportunity to have this kind of relationship with Him. A relationship that can take you out of bondage, make sure you meet Him, and give you promises beyond your wildest imagination. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you uh, as a mixed bag of folk today. For a variety of reasons, we're here. And Lord, I think all of us would say out loud, we want more of you. But Lord, I think each one of us knows there are things or a thing inside of each one of us that cause us to pull back a little bit, to not take it seriously or as seriously as we might. Perhaps we're afraid you'll take more away from us than you'll give to us. 
perhaps we're just sort of dumb like Pharaoh, and well, we'll get around to that later. But we're postponing the greatest thing we could ever know, and that's the relationship with you. You have done all that you would do in sending us your son, the Lord Jesus, to die, to take away anything that would separate us from you. And that in his resurrection, he's shown he's the first fruit of a relationship with you, which is being not only freed from our sin, but being transformed and resurrected to a new, brand new life, a life with you. So, Lord, in, a, in many ways, we're on our own wilderness journey. We've not arrived to the promised land as of yet. But, Lord, the key is we're not going to get there if we don't meet you. And if we meet you, how can we settle for anything less than all that you offer us? So, God, forgive us for procrastinating. Forget us, forgive us for being lazy. Forget, forgive us for being afraid that we might lose something important to us. Lord, only you can woo us. Only you can beckon us to come closer to you. And so we just invite you, come Holy Spirit, and speak into each person's life and heart on behalf of the Lord Jesus, on behalf of God the Father. Come unto me all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you a rest that you cannot even imagine. So, Lord, we love you. I want to wait here just a few minutes, Lord, and we're going to invite people to come. If they'd like to pray. We have some counselors available here. But let's just stay in a bit of a posture of prayer and reflection before the Lord for a few minutes. We won't keep you very long, I promise. But don't delay. Don't, don't spend one more night with the frogs, okay? Lord, we just invite everyone to come who would. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the service, there was a team praying for you, and as they were praying, they got a few impressions of some folks that God wanted to pray for. For some of you, God wants to restore your hope and give you grace upon grace. For some of you, Jesus is giving you Mission Vineyard as a home. Someone with a heart defect that needs prayer. Someone who feels cracked or broken, uh, broken rib. Popcorn. Baptism will release the liveliness of the Holy Spirit upon you. You know, some of you saw a couple of third graders getting baptized today, and that's not the only time that we can do baptisms. We can do it whenever you want to get baptized. So there's some of you that are saying, you know, I need to get baptized. These prayer teams on the right, they're for you this morning to say, I want more to respond to these words. And we're going to sing just a couple more songs. Destiny's going to lead us. And as this worship is going on, stand with us, worship, but also come forward and get some prayer this morning.
Don't miss an opportunity to receive prayer this morning. I bless you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That you would go out getting every bit of God that you want. Even better, getting as much of God that he wants for you. That he would not.